Hello and welcome to Cinemaker, Steven Soderbergh. This is episode 19, The Good German from 2006. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Mike Manzi. And I am Tobin Addington. And this is another movie, back-to-back weeks with Bubble, where it's kind of like... Well, actually, not, that's not even true. What I was about to say wasn't even true. This is kind of like a blending of two different Soderberghs, I feel like. we got big-budget Soderbergh, sort of, and we've got doing weird things to show that he can do weird things Soderbergh, right? Like This is kind of like a hybrid, more of a hybrid than we've seen in just about any other movie so far. Yeah, I feel like he's doing the experimenting thing like he did with Bubble, but now with a budget, like on the opposite end of the spectrum. With with Bubble, it was the no-budget, you know, non-actor digital video uh, experiment, and then here it's like the let's shoot everything as if we were alive in 1940s with all that equipment and in black and white, but I have George Clooney this time, and, you know, Kate Blanchett and Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, so uh, I think the comfort level's a little higher, and I think the end result's a little better. I don't like this movie, though. I think I like it more than Bubble just because there's George Clooney in there. But I have a hard time watching these movies that Soderbergh does. It feels to me that he's trying to do these to prove that he can do something. And I have a hard time watching them as movies because the whole time I'm just like, oh, look, he's, you know, using all this old equipment and using only the lights and basically making this as though we're in the 40s, except with more violence and language and nudity or sexuality or whatever that wouldn't have been allowed under the... Hayes Code. The production code, Hayes Code, yes. Which, let's talk about that for a second, that it was this moral guideline standards right from 1930 to 1968 and sort of laid out what was and was not acceptable and i feel like this movie is kind of a weird blend that i don't think that the violence and the language and stuff i don't think that it works like when they break toby Maguire's finger or, or break his arm or whatever and he's like just shouting and cursing i'm just like this feels wrong like, it doesn't feel like it belongs. And I don't know if that's the point or if they're just trying to make it so that modern audiences aren't bored, like mainstream audiences aren't bored. But like, I just it took me out of the otherwise, you know, period authentic everything. This is a movie that really should like hit all my sweet spots in a way. I mean, first of all, this is a movie set in Berlin after World War II when the city is divided into the various districts run by, you know, the the different countries who are divvying up, most notably the Americans and the British and the Russians, and each each having their own sector. And within that, there's this film noir going on in the middle of it. And there's a lot of the the Carol Reed film, The, the Third Man, which is one of my all-time favorites, one of my Desert Island movies. And there's Casablanca in it. And there's all the way back to the early days of, of detective noir, if you think of Dashiell Hammett's Maltese Falcon. And and so all of that stuff, this all, and and then on top of that, he's sometimes he's using some real footage from Berlin taken at the time in ways that some of the the Italian neorealist filmmakers did, who made films in their like in Rome after the war. Rossellini made this movie in the middle of the city ravaged by the war with actual footage of all that stuff, and, and this should really hit everything for me. And I can't stand this movie. Good, good, good. <laughs> I can't stand this movie. I, I marked this movie lower on my letterbox thing than you did, Joey. This is a one star out of five, maybe. This is not only an experiment that doesn't work, I think this is an experiment that's poorly conceived. I do appreciate that he's... Look, there's some gorgeous cinematography in it, and, and it's fun to see these actors dressed up in these costumes and lit this way, and that's the star for me, is the, the gaffer who lit it for, for him to shoot, and the costume designer. And I think that beyond that, I don't care about any of these people. 
And I think I'm supposed to. I think I'm really supposed to feel something for these people. And I think that, you know, they're playing at the kind of arch like, oh, we're half in an old movie because those are the lenses we're using and the aspect ratio we're using and the world that we're in. And then half in a, oh, we can say, you know, the F word and we can and we can show skin and whatever. And I just I found none of it compelling. I have more to say, but I'll stop now. I did not care for this film. I'm so glad you said that because when we were right before we recorded, you know, I was saying that how much I didn't like this movie. You're like, well, it sounds like he wanted everything to be oceans. And like I, the way that you said it, I don't know what it was, but I was like, oh, God, he loves this movie, too. And like, just like Bubble, we're going to have this fight two weeks in a row. But whew, no, good. OK, whew. I, I'm pretty much in agreement with both of you. I don't hate it quite as much as Tobin seems to. I, I mean, I think partially it's just because of the look. Like, I just love the way this movie looks. I think so when Soderbergh, now he is finally, you know, shot in black and white again. You know, I think, like, you can tell he's wanted to do that for a while and he makes the most of it. This is the first time since Kafka, right? I think? Yeah, that it's like full black and white. Yeah. And war noir film. I had seen this before, but didn't remember any of the story, and I think it's because it's completely, like, nothing. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, like you said, it's Third Man, it's Casablanca. Like, he's not bringing anything new story-wise here. And I also agree with Joey in the sense that if you're gonna sort of create all these rules for yourself, like, we're gonna make this movie as though we existed back then, he should have followed the code for decency as well. Like, that would have been really interesting in this day and age. You know, I really feel like that is its ultimate falter there, that it almost ends up being, like, a goddamn fuckfest at the end of this movie. Like, he says the F word is just, like, I couldn't believe it at one point. And, like, you know, these actors, like, Cate Blanchett, definitely fits like i feel right, like right. she well she 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 fits in everything she's yeah, wonderful yeah, yeah. True, true, all true, of the time true. but but like clooney mm, i mean and just not so much like Toby I always, mcguire is awful oh but i couldn't believe how much i missed him once he was dead i was like <laughs> at least he had energy and yeah, aggression yeah. and was playing something like you wanted to i at least was like there's something going on with this guy but we never get an answer to uh and clooney just like he feels i feel like it you know he belongs in an la noir not like overseas or anything like that it's just weird i always hear him being compared to like cary grant and people of this generation from the 40s movies and stuff but put him in one of those films and i don't really feel like he worked all that well which was you know again another kind of like broken part of this the rules that he set up like i just you know kate blanchetti nailed it but like the casting needed a bit more work as well to convince me i wonder if clooney doesn't work because he's in disguise as a soldier, but he's just a journalist. And that's weird. He's out of place in a few different ways, and I don't know if it feels like he's out of place because he's, you know, wearing a hat on a hat or whatever, or if it just he just can't fit into this period, this place. I'm not sure what it is, but there's something weird going on there. The other thing I want to mention is that this is another adaptation of a book. Soderbergh didn't write this, somebody else wrote this. But it's another adaptation because, you know, especially early on when I was still reading those interview books and everything in the early part of his career, he was so interested in adaptations. And I wonder if the book is, I didn't do any research on this, but I wonder if the book is like mature and adult and filled with language and violence and everything. And so like, I just, I don't get it. 
Yeah, I completely agree. To, to hit a few of these points, I think Tobey Maguire is really miscast in this, and I don't know who you cast instead of him. That said, one of the only scenes that has any kind of real crackling energy to it is there's a scene, an early on scene between Tobey Maguire and Kate Blanchett. Like you're learning a lot about them in in the scene, and or you think you are anyway, and they're getting each other's faces, and there's some energy in that scene, and then that just drains out completely. I have in my notes here, and I don't mean this as a slight to the man, but I have in my notes partway down, I said, is Bo Bridges giving the second best performance in this movie? I, <laughs> I quite like I quite like Bo Bridges, and I always have, but in kind of an affable way. Yeah, he's no Jeff Bridges, you know? I always feel like he's been overshadowed. Totally. And he, if you look carefully at his career, he's given a, a sort of litany of these very, like, He's always good. He, I, I always find him compelling as as whoever he's playing here, and it really shows through here. So many of the performances are not working. That when he shows up, I'm like, you feel like you're in the period. You feel like you're a character in the movie. You feel like you know what you want. You know what you're up against. And I think that after Kate Blanchett, who, as you say, Joy just could fit in. I mean, she's <laughs> she she has done a lot, and a, and and almost all of it has been fantastic, even if the movie around her isn't. And I, I feel like that he sort of is doing a good job in this as well. I fell asleep the first time I saw this movie. I went to it in the theater and I was in film school and had started falling asleep in movies because I was just really tired. And I passed out after a few minutes into it and I really wished I could do it again this time through. Uh That's how much I didn't like this film. I fell asleep kind of 15 minutes in and then I was like, okay, let me eat food. Let me get some energy. (laughs) Well, yeah. You know what I think a part of the issue is? Like, I feel like this is a straightforward story told in like a very misdirected way like it becomes almost like a shaggy dog detective thing like you know like like you didn't it expect from like inherent vice or you know something like that where it's like he's just Clooney ends up going on sort of a wild goose chase and I just feel like there's too many levels going on here you know if, if you're gonna catch the audience off guard in the first place by making it this authentic 40s you know war movie or post-war noir thing Make it simple enough to follow. Like, I feel like it's hard to follow, you know, unnecessarily in a lot of ways. Like, just because it wants to dip and dive and zig and zag because, you know, movies of that time did that a lot. Famous noir movies, like a lot of them, for me, I find they are difficult to follow. Um, But in this instance, I feel like that was kind of an an unnecessary nod uh, to movies of the time. Well, also keep in mind that Soderbergh, you know, he likes to just confuse you too. Like, look at the look at Ocean's Twelve. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, that's a modern day thing. So you're combining movies of an era that sort of don't make sense if you like miss one scene. You know what I mean? And then you have him today. Like, hey, I'm just gonna screw with you because, like, whatever. Like, I'm gonna make a meta movie, and like sometimes it works beautifully, like Ocean's Twelve, and sometimes it's here. It's just like I don't care. I just yeah. don't care. I kind of right. wish there was one shot that I really remember that I, I, I kind of wish it was more hokey like this because I would have been into it. But early on, Tobey Maguire is his driver, George Clooney's driver. And there's one scene early on where there's, they're very clearly sitting in a stationary car, and there's just, like, the scenery, like, going by behind it. And I was like, that's cool. Like, that's – it's, like, you know, very clearly of the era, and, like, it's super – like, it's obvious, and, like, it's not well – like, in terms of, like, recreating it, it's it's great. But in terms of, like, making it look realistic, it's bad. But I love that. Like, that was cool. And then the rest of it is just kind of, like, static shots with period lighting, and, like, a lot of scenes are blown out and, like, everything. Things like super white or super bright. And I'm just like, I get what you're doing, but kind of, I don't want you to like wink and nod at the camera, but do something to make it more visually engaging. Cause like once you get half an hour in or even like probably less than that, you're like, okay, he can do this. Like you could do like a 10 minute short and be like, okay, yeah, cool. Like you can make something that looks like it's from that time with that equipment on those sound stages or whatever. But like that doesn't 
sustain me for more than 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, to me, the fundamental problem with this movie is that it's all plot, that that there isn't an investment in characters, not that have to be at all likable, but that we have access to. I don't, as you say, you said perfectly, I don't care about George Clooney and what his character is going through. I don't care very much about Kate Blanchett, more so because she's Kate Blanchett. She's as good as she is. But when her final reveal comes at the end, I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, okay, so? Like, what What does that have to do with anybody? What does that have to do? What What does What does George Clooney risk losing in this movie? And, and none of that is brought to bear. And I think that it does, a, it does a, a, a real disservice to those older films, you know, to do that. I think there's a way, this is, a, as I say, there are a lot of elements of this that I really should love, that I really should admire. And I, I bet the book is great. I'm guessing this is a book that is kind of gripping and gritty and takes you into the, a world that we know through those more sanitized movies and shows us the sort of, you know, seedy underbelly of it all as it maybe more accurately was. I don't know for sure. I'm just sort of going by reading some synopses and things. I wonder if this shouldn't be, have been made like today as like a six-part TV series where you could spend some time with Clooney or the Clooney character, Jake, and you would you invest in him as a character more. I don't want this movie to be longer, but maybe unpacking this story a little bit. If, if we cared about them, this ending could be really devastating. And, and and that's that's true throughout the movie. I just, I wonder if it was, and of course we could never make it again because they did such a job of it this time. But I, I admit I looked up what other books this guy had written to say. I wonder if there's a way to sort of like turn one of these into a series. Well, like, I, I like that that's like the same criticism, like that I had of The Bad Batch. I'm like, as a two hour movie, it doesn't work for me. Like as a, as a short, it'd be great. Or as like a TV series, it'd be great. I, I love that there's you know, a single season series. Like, I think something like The Night Manager, right? Like a John Le Carre, like this kind of thing, right? For this story could have been great, but it didn't. It's not. It's not that. I think one thing this really could have benefited from that movie's of this time had a lot of or something like a, like a big old flashback right in the middle, you know, where we see all of this stuff that Clooney has referred to when Kate Blanchett worked for him and he fell in love with her and, and all this. Because while this movie, the whole plot is all about sneaking out a scientist a week before, you know, America drops the bomb on Japan, which is kind of like the futility of it, right? Like we got to get this scientist out of Germany. And then it's like at the end of the movie, the newspaper reads like bomb dropped on Japan. So, um, but what the movie is really, the movie isn't really about like sneaking people out of post-war Germany. It's about like this weird ass love affair between Kate Blanchett and George Clooney that doesn't exist. Like Clooney is just like in love with her, will do whatever it takes to like help her and she doesn't really give a shit about him. Uh, and I guess it takes him the whole movie to realize that and, and I mean that's just like I don't care about this relationship. I needed to see some of it. I needed to write like I needed there to be like this big romantic flashback about them together, like during the war, you know, sneaking around, you know. Then you could also allude to why she was allowed to be a Jew in Germany during the war. And then you find out at the end that she turned over 12 or 15 people in order to stay there. So like all that would have paid off a little better too. No, instead we get like an hour and a half of Clooney just like getting his ass kicked. Like he just gets his ass kicked throughout this entire movie by everyone. Yeah, you're, you're so right. You think about the way Casablanca structured with that huge flashback in the middle of it that gives us exactly that. You could do a thing, the, the night manager starts with the flashback, right? I mean, you see his relationship with the woman and then with the, and the bad guy. Sort of that all happened. The first episode is that, and then everything sort of builds after that. You could just scramble the order of that and put that episode three, you know, like unpack them in the past and demonstrate what this love is to them. And I, I totally agree. There's a way, without seeing that stuff, it's, that is another fundamental 
flaw of this movie is that we we never see them in love, right? We never see them. And I don't know that you would have to, but God, it really would have helped this movie. I had a hard time kind of following the Kate Blanchett character because it felt like she was just romantically involved with everyone in the movie. You know, she's a prostitute. Like she, well, she's not like originally, but like in order to survive and during the war, she became a prostitute and then like I guess close to Tobey Maguire. Yeah, but I guess because like because she's married to the guy that they're looking for and she has this past with Clooney and then we in- we get introduced to her because she's dating or she's with or whatever Tobey Maguire. And it's like oh like I guess that's. I can't tell if that's good or bad. It just didn't feel like it worked for me because it just feels like it's kind of convenient that like they're all paths are intersecting through this one woman. And like, as you guys have said, you know, she's got this like dark backstory that just falls flat at the end. And I don't know, maybe if that landed better, it could have been cool to see her journey through time with these different guys and getting where she got the struggle she had to take to get there or whatever. But I don't know. You know, that's interesting. That's another way to do this story is to just tell it chronologically from her point of view. She's married to this guy. She has a love affair with Clooney before the war. Then wartime comes, and in order to stay, like, to to not be deported or or executed. Well, not to be sent to, like, a, yeah, executed, sent to a camp. Right, his line at the end, right, is like, in order not to be deported or killed, like, how did you stay in the, you know, before he was an SS officer, before the rockets, right? Okay, this is it, this is it. (laughs) See, we got it, we got it. Okay, so she's married to this guy who works for a scientist. She has an affair with Clooney before the war. The war happens, and before the SS take over the rocket program, she has to find a way to stay in the country as a, as a Jew. And the way she does it, does it is by becoming a traitor and a spy for the for the Nazis and and turning in other other Jewish people in Germany. Then the SS program takes over the thing, right? And then she has to then turn to prostitution. And then also in in she gets Tobey Maguire wrapped up in this web that she's building in order to get her husband out because she feels guilty about everything, about having turned in these people and about having cheated on her husband. And she thinks like the one good thing I can do is to get my husband out of the country. But you don't feel that in the movie. You never feel that. It's not told from her perspective. And she is sort of the most vital character. It's all revolving around her, but we never really get her point of view, or at least we don't even get it long enough for any resonance to, to sort of sink in as to why this is important to her and everything. I mean, look, like she's beautiful and she can just stare at you like right through you, but like that's kind of all her character kind of does. Like she really doesn't portray a lot on the emotion spectrum, so it's tough to get a read on her otherwise, you know, you really can't tell if she's telling the truth or lying, and I guess for me, that's the one thing I was able to hold on to. It's like, well, I can't believe a word she's saying. So until the end, when she admits like what she did, then I was like, all right, I guess she's telling the truth. But but really, yeah, we just don't know because it's not really it's not told from her perspective. I don't think this would have helped any because I think Kate Blanchett's one of the best actresses working today. But Kate Winslet was tied to the original role at one point. Do you think that she would have done anything different or better or made it more interesting somehow? She's a warmer presence than Kate Blanchett is, and it would have been interesting to see this character with a little more warmth to it. And I wonder, I wonder what that would have done to the twist and turns. But maybe you wouldn't have believed that she turned people in. Or I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't think it's the problem of the casting. I don't think she's miscast. I think it's a problem of the conception of the way to tell the story and of the writing and of the way he's making it. There was an article I read at the time the movie came out 
partly because I was mystified by the 15 minutes of the movie that I'd seen. And and <laughs> Kate Blanchett made some comment about how she kept asking, she would keep asking Soderbergh after each take. She was like, is this too much? Like, I feel like I'm playing this really arch and really big and like almost like a spoof. And he's like, no, keep going, keep going. I'll pull you back if I need to. And I, you know, part of me wonders like this might have been a great spoof. Like, I wonder if they should have maybe gone that direction. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that about halfway through. Um, if like, even if this was just if he had spoofed like L.A. Noirs and not gone to the war zone or anything, because I really don't feel like that's what he's interested in here. That web of the war story and all that. I think he's more interested in the style and the technique and absolutely, and yeah. How, yeah, and you know, making you feel like you're watching an old movie and all that stuff. I don't feel like Kate Winslet would have worked. I think she instantly just brings too much empathy or sympathy like I just feel for her I would feel for her immediately I get like kind of like a like Kate Blanchett's almost channeling someone from like the Night Porter or a movie like that you know like I really feel like she's she's picked for a reason here Kate Winslet's also a great actress like she can do period stuff like Titanic I mean she's kind of my favorite thing there I really feel like she pulls that off really well well she won an Oscar for the reader for a similar with a character with a similar background story right like the uh, similarly sort of holocausty <laughs> revelation at the you know spoiler alert at at in that in that film and i think that that's something that I don't know the dates of how the, these those movies all lined up but you could there's something running through there I can't already be out of things. Oh, let's talk about Leland Orser. I don't know that he really I don't think he fits in this movie. I don't think he really fits in any movie. He's the dad from The Guest. I don't know what part he plays in this movie because I don't know what part anybody plays in this movie. This is another movie that I read the Wikipedia for because I was like, what is going on? And there's like the boss and the secretary. I'm just like, "Ah, I don't care. He's an American. He's the little guy. He's sort of a little guy. Is Is he behind the desk? Is he the desk? Okay. So my excitement in watching this movie was like, oh, Bo Bridges. Oh, Leland Orser. Just like recognizing people. Not that they did anything of note, you know, like you said, Tobin, like he might be giving the second best performance in this movie but also who cares <laughs> it's just like oh there's another person that i know when i'm because there's nothing else for me to like look at or think about i'm just like ah, all, right, all right yeah it almost feels like it could have benefited from more stunt casting you know like if uh, everybody that clooney runs into is like someone like oh look it's not i mean it's like angelina jolie hey <laughs> or like hey, it's brad pitt not necessarily you don't have to bring everyone from the oceans team back but you know if there were more stunt casting it would have at least kept your interest like made you pay attention at certain points and be like oh at least i could i could enjoy the nice acting of maybe like oh look bill murray showed up or something you know it could be anyone um colin farrell who knows who you find out there during the war but there isn't anything along the way that sort of shifts the movie dramatically to be any better you know it's not like the halfway point is some awesome reveal to make you look back on the first half of the movie and wonder if you know the end is gonna like blow your mind in some way with like a twist or something you know another thing they might have tried if if they were making it more like the the movies of old is to have them all talk faster i remember when gus van sant remade um psycho there was a uh, interview with Robert Forster, who plays the doctor at the end, who sort of rattles through the diagnosis of um, Norman Bates. And 
he apparently they did take after take after take because they wanted it to clock in right at the two minutes and seven seconds or whatever that that, that that it came in in the original. And he had such a hard time talking as fast as he does. And if you watch, you know, if you watch Joseph Cotton in The Third Man, uh, the main character, he doesn't feel fast until you really think about how fast he's talking. I mean, everybody, I, I wonder if they if they could have aped that a little bit more. But again, that, that again might have made it feel, lend itself towards spoofing. Again, I... I don't know. I don't know, guys. There's a certain rhythm, though. You're right, to those movies, right? Like, yeah. it's almost as if there's a beat to it that this just doesn't have. Like, you can't dance to this film, you know? Like, yeah, right. Uh, like, the right. way you can to those, like, like, like Casablanca. Right. Well, it's like... When I'm watching old movies, I have a hard time really trying to really sort of... Aside from, like, the people that you know, it kind of feels like everyone of that era is a good actor, and it kind of feels like no one of that era is a good actor. You know what I mean? Because they all talk in that specific way, in that speed, with that cadence, and I'm just like, I don't know... I can't tell, and I feel like that... You know, that's what I was thinking before when you were talking about if, if it could go towards spoof. And one thing that I read was that, like, because the microphones they were using, they all had a sort of shout kind of, like, stage-like. It was more like a performance than a movie. Right. But I feel like they could have gone further with that. And I, I think there's even room to go further without making it spoof. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it feels like a lot of this movie is, like, 80% there in terms of what it's trying to do. And it's just not either interested or not able to go that last 20%. Yeah, it doesn't go all the way. You're absolutely right. Like, I, and I think it goes back to him just establishing these rules and then kind of breaking them. You know, it's like we're going to make a movie that uh, the way they would have made it in 1944 or 45 or whatever this movie takes place. And, and but we're going to break the Hays Code. We're going to make it more of an homage to movies of the time and not so much our own thing uh so it you know if it had just stuck to the rules i really feel like the outcome it would have been much different and i think it could have been better and i think there's just maybe it just wasn't it's just you're just not listening to your gut at that point or something or, or maybe you are listening and it's telling you to go in a different direction and and that this experiment wasn't you know the thing to do in the first place and like halfway through it's like ah you know let's dump the rules and let's make it more modern and let's see what happens and I don't know I just feel like if he had been more strict with himself and done it completely that way and found actors who fit the rhythm of those old films and that and that acting style uh, who could have pulled it off more like like Kate Blanchett does as opposed to say like Tobey Maguire I, I really feel like it would have been more successful. Well, who would you have put in that? Like, what other actors do you think would work? Oh, off the top of my head. I don't head, need to put you uh, on the spot like that. Right. Because I feel like, like you said earlier, I think, that if you if, if he wasn't in this movie, you'd be like, oh, Clooney could pull this off. I mean, I guess yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, well, he could pull off anything. Right, but that's yes, sort of not fair. I mean, even someone like Kyle MacLachlan would have been good because he just portrays the more sense of being, like, green or, or out of his element. Even though he can be an FBI agent, like, there's this just sort of innocence about him, you know? And I feel like that's what Clooney's character kind of needed more of, just, like, less of a chip on his shoulder about not understanding why he's excluded from the truth and more of just this sort of, like, doesn't quite get. He's too love-struck and blinded by Kate Blanchett to really see the truth, you know? I think we needed a little more of that out of his character or understand why he isn't like that. When you're describing someone green and out of his element and a little bit sweet and an FBI agent, are you describing Kyle MacLachlan or are you describing Keanu Reeves? Would Keanu have worked in the lead of this? I don't think so, but maybe. I don't know. You never know. I mean, maybe even Cage. I mean, I don't think Cage necessarily... <laughs> Well, Cage would have spiced things up. Well, that's that's for sure. Cage as the Tobey Maguire role would have been great. 
you know, a lot of that anger could have came out, a lot of being stuck in the motor pool, but then like lying to himself and saying it's one of the most important jobs because he could cross the border and make deals with the Russians and all that kind of crap that ends up getting him killed. Uh, I could have seen Cage in that little brief role. I so want this. I so want this movie to be good. I when 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 we decided we were gonna do the Soder, or you guys decided you're gonna do Soderbergh first, and I was you know, ordering my DVD. I'm like, thank God I get to revisit this movie because I bet I was just really tired that day, and I bet it's this like hidden gem of a thing that like people just don't understand and all that stuff. I like all the stuff this movie is about. I just don't like this movie. For some reason, I thought this movie was gonna have like blimps in it. Oh, like zeppelins. <laughs> yeah, and I was disappointed that there weren't any blimps. I, again, I just want to reiterate how how much Clooney gets his ass kicked in this movie. Like, almost, like, every third scene, someone's punching him, he's getting hit with a piece of wood, like, he's getting kicked in the stomach. I just, I, I almost, like, again, that that is a, that felt like a running gag to the point in which I do now wonder if, like, they pushed this full parody. I mean, they couldn't have, I'm not saying he needed to do, like, um, Young Frankenstein, but who knows? That could have been something. Yeah. There's a great Manola Dargis review from the Times uh, for this movie that I that I did look just to see what the kind of some of the mainstream reactions were when it came out. And and she makes this point. I'm just going to read a couple sentences here that I think she makes a point really that, that fits in here. She says she's talking about about the movies that he was clearly inspired by and she's talking about how much they're different from this movie and she says manufactured for mass enjoyment Casablanca runs wonderfully more than half a century after leaving the factory it's sentimental and contrived but it's also the kind of well-wrought pleasurable film that Mr. Soderbergh can do beautifully see out of sight and seems recently reluctant to pursue and she makes all kinds of interesting points in here, including that the original novel was 500 pages long. And oh, that, wow. And that her character was not a Jew in the original. Like, they've done all kinds of stuff. What? In the, yeah. Sort of, that's, like, sort of, that's like the central conceit of this whole movie, you know, in some fashion. Yeah. The, apparently, the, the character was a, quote-unquote, good German who just looked the other way. Like, it's just, it's just a, it, maybe it's much more sort of morally complex or something. I don't know. But I think that it, it, again, makes me think that a longer version of the story it was as it was maybe originally written is, is the way to go. But trying to turn it into Casablanca, it just doesn't – if you're going to make it this way, it's just not, not going to work. We just don't have access to who these characters are. Not only just like wanting to be like a Casablanca type, but like its movie poster and also the final scene are basically just like ripped straight from Casablanca. Like it's it's so transparent what it wants to be and just doesn't get there. I think that's the problem. I think it's just way too on the nose. Like like you said, like it's so obvious, and he needed to be more subtle. Uh, I think that might be why I like Kafka at least more than this movie because it's like weird and the story the story is just like so weird and strange and bizarre and it almost doesn't matter and that is about style and i feel like he pulls that off there and here i don't because this kind of thing needed a a story to to hold it up to like hang it on you know i don't i don't think just the like the images and and things here they they become a little redundant like he ends up I feel like he runs out of things to shoot at one point. I mean, as, although they're beautiful and I like it, how many times can we get a bird's eye view of someone going down a spiral staircase? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I get yeah. it the first time. By the third time, it, it starts to feel a little like Sin City, you know? It's like, what am I watching? It, it, yeah, it's stuck in the middle. Like, Joey, I don't even think... It's not just stuck between, like, his experiments. It's, like, stuck between parody and seriousness. It's weird. 
if nothing else, we get a movie where Spider-Man and Batman finally get to team up, at least for like 20 minutes. <laughs> oh. Yes, I didn't even pick up on that watching it. That would have made my... Oh, man, I would have enjoyed it so much Spider-Man more. and Batman and Carol. <laughs> and Carol, or she's... Uh, or the goddess of death Thor, or whatever her Thor. Thor. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. Yeah, in Ragnarok, but not at the time of this recording. <laughs> but by the time it comes out, you will be able to see her in Ragnarok. I've got nothing else to say about this movie. I'm just glad that next week is Ocean's 13, that we're back to a movie that I've seen, that I like, that I'm going to have things to talk about. This is just... There are still things coming up that I haven't seen that I am optimistic for. Like, I know the Girlfriend Experience movie doesn't have great reviews, but I'm interested to see what in there was good enough or interesting enough to spawn a TV series mm-hmm. starring my love of my life, Riley Keough. And I'm interested to see other stuff, you know, from here on out that I haven't seen before. And a lot of it, I've seen most of what he's done in the last five or six years. And I like a lot of that. Even like the smaller, less mainstream stuff. I mean, still with big actors, but, you know, Haywire and Contagion and side effects and stuff that aren't $200 million blockbusters. I like all that. So I'm, I'm excited to get back to the stuff that I haven't, or that I haven't seen in a while, as well as the stuff like Che and Girlfriend Experience that I haven't seen but have high hopes for. Just no more good Germans, please, please. My last note on this was that it was, I, I wrote, the whole thing is vaguely inscrutable. And that was only about halfway through. And I think it just gets more inscrutable. Not just the, the plot of the film, which again, those old noirs had plots, you know, Mike, as you said, that you could barely follow. Like you're, it's not about the plot. It's about the characters who are going through it and how they react to all that. And, and so I don't need you to lay it out for me, ABC. And in an odd way, this makes no sense and too much sense at the same time, this film. But I the, I mean inscrutable. Like, I don't know why he did this movie this way. I don't know why they, they made this movie this way. And I, for me, in my ranking uh, so far, I have the second to last. I, only of the ones that we've ranked, the only one below this one is Eros. And I would rather watch Full Frontal before I watch this movie again. Those are strong feelings. Yeah, it's true. It's there's so much more. There's so much. It is so much more alive than this movie. There's there's at least there's interesting stuff happening. I have also seen a lot of the stuff coming from now on, and I am a big fan of of quite a bit of it. And I I think for for me this is as close to the bottom of the barrel as as knock on wood we're gonna get the rest of this podcast. Good. I realized through this and Bubble that, like, I just moved the underneath up a little bit because, like, the underneath <laughs> isn't good, but I'd, I'd rather rewatch that than either of these things. I don't, I'm, I'm yeah. not, I'm not with you on that. I, so I bubble at number nine and this at number six. I know you so. like Bubble. I also move <laughs> Schizopolis down a little bit because I think the farther I get from Schizopolis, the sort of, oh. I just, I think I just forget about it. But, like, I also am like, I'd rather rewatch The Limey or Ocean's 12 or Solaris than Schizopolis, but I still have it up high, but, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the opposite. The further I get from it, the more I want to rewatch it. I yeah, just yeah. feel like from time to time, there's just a, a lack of energy or enthusiasm behind some of his projects lately that are kind of boring me, unfortunately. Like this doesn't go over too well. I wasn't a big fan of Bubble. I just, I'm not, I wasn't a huge fan of Full Frontal. You know, I'm just not a big fan of these sort of experimental things as much as I thought it would be. I've seen most of the stuff coming up and I'm looking forward to a lot of it. I'll just say that. Like I feel like when he when he experiments again and it won't be as much, I think it goes a lot better. Uh he's learned from some mistakes or he's got different interests that are easier to execute and he's not overreaching or if he is, he knows 
what he's doing better than he used to. And I mean, I'm looking forward to your guys' thoughts on Che parts one and two. I mean, that is like a... Which we're doing as one episode, right? We're doing that as one episode, I think, right? We're not going to do that as two. Yeah, yeah. I think we should tackle that just as as one film. But that's huge. And that's, again, that's going to be a lot of not what we're used to seeing from him. I think that's going to be one of his biggest departures and maybe one of the last of his big departures from then on. And I just really love when he gets into that phase of like Haywire, Contagion. Like there's just like a streak there of films I, I feel are just really well done and just like very enjoyable so i almost feel like we're we're past a certain point we're over a hump of some type if you will the end of the week is in sight and you know the weekends are always the best so we're, we're getting closer to the weekend i think and we still got magic mike to come so a little bit of a weekend treat also speaking of magic mike go listen to magic mike's our new podcast here on the cage club podcast network now that we're recording this in august but this is releasing in january magic mike's is a thing so go watch channing go listen to channing and listen to me and Mike talk about uh, a guide to recognizing your saints again, but from a different perspective. That might be the January movie. It's soon. It's soon. It's very early in Channing's career, so. And that's the movie, uh, when we reviewed that for all his movies, the Shia LaBeouf podcast, that's the movie where I said, like, I believe in Channing Tatum. <laughs> like, that performance. <laughs> Throwing chairs through doors. Yeah. So for all things Cinemakers, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter. You can rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play. All sorts of fun, free things for you to listen to. Lots of shows. Tobin might even have a show coming out in the coming months. Do we have a, do we have a rough estimate on that? Is that spring? Yeah, we're thinking spring. Yep. Spring. So it's, it's the middle of winter right now. Stay warm. Get through this. And then Tobin will have his own little project coming up. Very exciting. Something yeah. new, different from what we've done, I'm very excited for. You'll be able to find out all updates about that at cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, and at cageclubpod on Twitter. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Mike Manzi. And I am Tobin Addington. And we'll see you next time on Cinemakers. Cinemakers.